Podcast number 13 of The Local, a podcast. I'm Charlene. I'm Justin. And Tim's about to sneeze. Bless you. Tim's about to sneeze. One second. My big-headed husband. And on, uh, from Malaysia, all the way from Malaysia, we have Mike Bush. Hey, Mike Bush. Hey, how's it going? Did you kill Tim's sneeze? That's really a jerk thing to do. I did. <laughs> she clamped his nose shut. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. All right, so Mike Can't Bush. Steal a man's sneeze. I love to do that though. When people give to get the look like they're gonna sneeze, and you all, you go bless you, and they're like, oh, oh, ruined it. It. man, that's like uh, in some countries that it's legal to murder somebody that does that. In really? Malaysia, I'm sure it is. You it would know. Be. You would know. You are a traveler. Got all right, that world traveler. So Justin, you and the reason we're talking to Mike tonight, and we should refer to you as J M Bush. Yes. No, you can call me Mike. It's fine. My author name is J.M. Bush, but I do go by Mike or Michael in my day-to-day life, so please don't call me J.M. Make okay. me sound like a douchebag. <laughs> so, J.M. So, J.M. What kind of shoes do you like? <laughs> All right, so Thanks. we have to tell you the real story. So, this is podcast episode 13. 0.5. <laughs> 2.0. Yes, do. 2.0. <laughs> because last night we did the whole podcast and it was Justin and myself and Mike and we had this beautiful conversation that went on for about an hour. Yeah. It was perfection. A lot longer than we 27 minutes. We talked about food. We talked about books. We talked about writing. We talked about the fact that Mike is from Dothan. We talked about traveling and punk rock music. All of it. And then we went to download it. And only a third of it was there. That's right. Because Justin is an idiot. Because Justin didn't uh, get enough space on our... I forgot. Yeah, we... And I'm pretty sure I said it. I said, is there enough space? We've never recorded three channels at once. So I didn't... I mean, it'll be... Are we good? Yeah, we've... we've, That bridge is behind us. (laughs) (laughs) At poor Mike's expense. Yeah, sorry. But he's getting good rehearsal. Like, he's getting... He's he's getting... He's getting uh, more experience of, of dealing with stuff. What do you need to turn yeah, down there? Yeah, this is my. I can now count this as my second podcast. So you know, yeah, I'm, I'm totally gonna put it on the website that way. You're like a pro now. You're probably better than we are at this point. There, that's much better. All right, so Mike, tell us the scoop. So you are from Dothan. Yes, I am from Dothan. Uh, I was born in Albany, Georgia. Right. Um, because my parents lived in Colquitt, but we had to go to Albany because there wasn't a hospital in Colquitt. Um, Probably still the so, same way now. Yeah, I was going to say. How far away yeah, is Albany probably, from Colquitt? Um, I don't know, because I was a baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes we is moved, what it sounds uh, like? We moved to Dothan when I was like four years old. Okay. And what brought your parents here? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> moved to the big city. Big city of Dothan, <laughs> getting out of Georgia, because they wanted to wear shoes when they went to school. They got, so a, they moved. <laughs> they got a Sadie's in Dothan. We got to get over there quick. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, honestly, I have no idea. But um, <clears throat> so they moved, and uh, that's pretty much been my home, like, my whole life. I, so when people say, where are you from? I'm like, Dothan. I'm from Dothan because, uh, you know, I don't remember Albany yeah. at all. Yeah. Now, how does a Dothan local guy from Dothan get all the way to Malaysia? That's what well, I want Well, it's a long know. story. Airplane. 
There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of intrigue and and uh, death. Now, really, I uh, you know I started off as a uh, shoe salesman at Journeys and the Mall in Dothan. <laughs> Did you really? And yeah, that's that's where I met him. I ran that shoe store for years and years and years, and I sold socks. And so everybody that knows me knows me as either the guy from Haji and the Turbans or the guy from Journeys. Gotcha. Nice. Oh, yeah, right, wrapped up right in the middle of that punk rock scene that Dothan's known for, but not known. For right. Yeah. So you know, back yeah, back in the day, uh, Haji and the Turbans, uh, the band I was in, it was you know moderately large uh, in the scene. It's pretty what much year? the only punk band in the scene. Let's be honest. <laughs> it was like ninety-seven uh, like to like two thousand. Ninety-five to ninety. Oh. Yeah, ninety-five to two thousand is the official date. So wow! Hold on, so sort of, what kind of? I mean, what kind of music was it? I mean, what were you guys like? Uh, it was a ska band. Oh. That's Tim's what? favorite. Is it really? You, yeah. Oh, man, like aquabatting around the house and stuff. Well, I mean, I like. I, I like. I mean, I, I was sort of a punk guy in in the eighties. Yeah. So, that's. I think that's super cool. So you. Yeah. So I. You know, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was, you know, I was the bass player for the band and the promoter because I was at the mall, you know, working at Journeys. I had my, uh, I was, I was on the pulse, on the beat of the, uh, exactly. the young generation in Dothan at the time. Free flyer so with every I pair got of to Converse. Pass out flyers to everybody. I was going to say, shows. all punk rockers wear chucks, so yeah. y- you've got the initial connection. We also had Doc Martin, so you know oh. we were, oh, we were that's there. Right. Ska, we had that whole market corner. Ska bands <laughs> and Doc Martin. Where did you guys play at? Dakota Coffee Works. Um, well, VFW we played at Dakota Coffee Works. <clears throat> um, but, but before Dakota came around, though, uh, we used to rent uh, the ballrooms at hotels in town, like really? the Holiday Inn directly across from Bruno. Yeah. yeah. And then we would play at people's houses. Um, we played at houses out in the woods. We played at houses in suburbia. We played anywhere we could. Um, and then Dakota opened up in the Bruno's parking lot, that that one. Right. And they started having us play there. And we had a really good deal going with them. We got a you know fifty percent of the door. They got fifty percent of the door. And we'd bring in like four hundred kids and, you know, make bank. Yeah. Five bucks a head. And that was a lot of money in the nineties. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah, if you can gas was like care. seventy cents a gallon. No, I'm just saying if you if you can bring in four hundred people Anywhere yeah, with any kind of music. There's bands doing I'm that in Dothan now that can't that do that. Because at that time I was in no, I did just started radio. Like you were ending, I was beginning. Because I, I mean, there wasn't a band locally that I know of that could pull a crowd like that. That's fantastic. Play the Civic Center. That show was amazing. yeah. We played the Civic Center. Wow. Um, we played. Yeah, the uh, one of the I jumped off the stage. I threw my bass on the ground and jumped off the stage and chased one of the um, security guards who was escorting my brother out off the premise for jumping on stage. That oh no! After I jumped, there's audio of that somewhere. Taylor K. He keeps telling me that there's audio of this <laughs> somewhere. I grabbed the microphone at one point and was just saying, "Thanks everybody for coming out." It had nothing to do with the show. I had just been overserved <laughs> and crawled on stage and decided that was it. Thanks for coming to my party, Thank guys. You. Thank it was you. super dumb. <laughs> and then his brother, like my, then my friend jumped on also. His brother jumped on stage to chase my friend off the stage. And then security said, nope. That's enough. Shutting it down. Oh, my gosh. Nice. All right. All right so yep. Haji and the Turbans, Journeys, yep. and, and then what? Journeys. And then um, me and two of my friends, we started a record store in Dothan back in the day. It was a punk rock record store. Oh. Uh, it was called Permanent Record. 
Um, and we played shows there all the time too. And that was where we kind of like um, really started getting a good following was at, at Permanent Records because we didn't have to pay. We got to keep all the money. And so we, we really, really, really made a name for ourselves in town with that. And we brought in touring bands too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Big Black Cat. That failed because of our bit. Yeah, Big Black Cat came Man through. Man-Made Brain. Tsunami Bomb came through. I remember all these silly um, band names. And I'm not sure yeah. how. 90s punk bands, right? Yeah. Um, so then that failed because uh, the two business partners of mine, I was still selling shoes at Journeys. They were taking the money and using it to buy everything they needed because they didn't have jobs. And yeah. so money that's wasn't usually, being put That's into usually and, a recipe for disaster. Yeah. 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 So uh, it went under. But, you know, the honest truth is, is I didn't put any money into it. One of the guys, his dad fronted all the cash for it. So I was like, it's, it's yours basically to fail. I was just there because I came up with the idea of the, the it was originally a record company to put out my own band's stuff. Right. Um, and, and so that, I think that, that initial business sense back then was what led me to be a self-publisher now and to start my own, you know, publishing house and, and push my own books. Cool. I still um, think, cause I've already done it. side note, I still think the idea of a record shop, but also like a stage yeah. where you could have, Bands, well, it's an amazing idea. You know, the I mean, you you guys also had iTunes working against you as well. That was way right? later, though. That, yeah, that was like ten years later. Wait, way, way later. No, wait. Yeah, no, Back then, amazing. it was um, what was that? What was that site? Napster, the Metallica drummer. Yeah, Napster. Napster. Yeah, Napster. That's what I was, was just going to say. Napster. But I mean, that you you were sort of on the front end of before digital music. You know, when yeah. people still bought vinyl. And CDs. Yeah. And people yeah. were buying, you know, people were coming in and they were buying CDs because you couldn't get these at the Wiregrass Commons Mall. Like these were like underground punk right. you were, CDs there. Yeah, yeah, you were. CDs. Yeah, Scott specials. I mean, you guys were playing, you, you had good stuff. I still think it's a great, I think if you tried to do the same business model today, that it would work. I think that people would, I don't I, know. It could totally work. Like, plus, um, but like, the problem now is, is like you were saying iTunes and also Hot Topic because we also a lot of kids came to us to get shirts because there was nowhere ah, to band get shirts. shirts. Yeah, because you would have to order them from a catalog and it would take forever and we just had them in stock and so people would come and buy them and they'd buy spike belts and they'd buy all kinds of you, their punk rock accoutrement. Yeah, you weren't buying Dead Kennedy's Black Flag t-shirts no. at the mall. You no. are now though. Not it's back good. then you weren't. Yeah. Not back yeah. then yeah. you Hot Topic moved Hot in. Topic. They've- yeah, they've ruined everything. You were ahead yeah, of your so time. Like now you can get that stuff at the mall, and, and and people don't even shop at the mall that much anymore. So it's really it's kind of a hard sell to to have a shop like that now. You would have to have the live music like we had back then, yeah. to really right. sustain. And that's how we paid rent. Was we one show a month? We paid rent. Everything else was just whatever. Great. But we brought four hundred kids in, five bucks a head. Rent's paid. We're good. That's pretty awesome. That's some. Super high rent. All right, so how did you get to Malaysia? We got it. We got we got wife. We got kids. We we got a we got a a, tra- a road to travel. Okay, hold on. We're we're a punk rocker in Dothan, right? Selling records. Yeah. It goes yeah. under because the guys are skimming off the top. What happens next? Um. Well, you know, we stay friends. Uh, you know, it's like I said, it was there. It was one of the dudes' money. Uh, it wasn't. We didn't lose anything. Hold on a second. I got a two-year-old coming in. <laughs> It's, no, it's not working, baby. Storm in the castle. There you go. Yeah, he's got his flashlight and wants me to turn it on. Okay, so... Um, Nothing fun in a flashlight. Broad daylight. <laughs> hey, when your two flashlights are pretty damn cool. Yeah. <laughs> on, off. Right. on, off. On, 
So, uh, you know, then, you know, the band kept playing until about uh, 2000, 2001. I got married in 2001 to the girl I've been dating for the past five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I moved to Columbus with the shoe store and lived there for a few years. And then we moved to San Diego from Columbus. And at that point, I made the jump to working at a bookstore. And I worked at a bookstore, Borders, for a while. I was the manager of their multimedia. So I didn't have anything to do with the books. Unfortunately, I was over movies and, and CDs. Right. Um, and, and, you know, Borders uh, eventually went under. But it, at the time, I just uh, I got bored with being you know, jumped over because I was trying to get into books. Right. And I just kept getting passed up. They had all these old biddies who'd been there for 150 years who were getting promotions and i was like hey they have no idea what they're doing but you know whatever that's a different story so i jumped <laughs> ship and went to blockbuster video which is you know very oh, still going strong yeah yeah they're killing it right now <laughs> another dothan company it's like i touched mm. borders they went out of business i touched oh, blockbuster they went out of business that's why i'm laughing i'm, I'm like don't invite mike into your business yeah. <laughs> don't right. hire mike <laughs> Okay, but it's basically if if I work for you, someone is soon going to find a way to phase whatever you do out. <laughs> Except the insurance. Uh, hang on, business. I got a screamer. You're fine. Uh, that's the beauty of Poor having Mike. kids. See, yesterday his kids were at school, so he was like, like a bachelor for the he's gonna, for the morning. He's going to fight me when he comes back to the states. Like, you made me talk to you again. I know. I can't believe nobody it. wants to do that. Nobody, man. I went I went to dinner with my mom for her birthday today, and it was. People just staring at me. Like, why did you show up? Yeah. No, why are you here? I'm my only child. I gotta <laughs> represent for the home team. Can I take care of Ma? Right. But uh, what you're, what we're not getting, besides Mike being successfully awesome at ruining businesses, is that he got the travel bug in high school because his high school, the high school French oh, yeah, teacher. I, oh. I've I've skipped Sorry. back to. I've bypassed you ruining businesses like Blockbuster. Uh, yeah. And Borders books. Uh, and I, I was trying to tell Tim how you caught the travel book because we kind of got that into that yesterday because you were in high school and your girlfriend was. Right, yeah, okay. Well, so the story goes uh, in high school, I was dating the French teacher's daughter. And once nice. a year, she would mm. take the kid to Europe over the summer and she would be the only chaperone. Um, but you had to be in a French class. But because I was dating her daughter and I was signed up to take French the following year, um, she let me go on the trip. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Hang on, guys. <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry about so it. So he got to go on the trip. We did this last time. Yeah. He got to go on the trip, and that's where he caught the trouble bug. They went to, like, 12 cities or 12 yeah. different... 12 different stops on the tour. Yeah. And it was, like, from Paris. They went, they went to Paris. They went to, like, London. I did a similar trip, like, my senior year. We, went, we, we landed in Amsterdam, went from there to Belgium. Went to Germany for a little bit. That's fantastic. Yeah, dude. It's way better than going to Mexico and getting kidnapped. Yes. By drug lords. Yeah, like... Get your head chopped off and hung from a bridge. Yeah, yeah. at least, like, there, you're really in... You could, like, fall in with some Yardies in London, <laughs> maybe. But, like, that's... Nobody's really doing that anymore, I would think. Right. I don't know. I did watch The Kingsman the other day. Have you guys seen that movie? Oh, it's a great movie. Awesome. It's really good. Made me want to so, go back. So, he... Hey, it's okay. We've got kids too. No. So it's anybody that's listening that has kids totally gets it. Trust me. We're so. Yeah, I, it's frustrating. Yeah, the wife should be here to take care of them so I could do this, but she had to go into the school today for some weird reason. It's always how it works out, Mike. Together. It's always how it works yeah. out. <laughs> so 
I've got I've got a cartoon on. Hopefully they'll let me do this. See, you've, you've got three, um, three whole minutes because whatever you're doing is always more interesting. That is a yeah. well. The door's opening right now. So, <laughs> what's up? Go go watch the movie. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, so because I was dating the the French teachers. Because I was dating the French teacher's daughter, um, I was allowed to go on the trip, and we went. Uh, we went to seven countries in Europe, uh-huh. and it was like it was like twelve students, no drinking age except for in England. But we bought beer off the uh, bus driver, um, and uh, just cruising with a twelver. <laughs> yeah, well, he was he's this Austrian dude. I forget his name, um, but I had we all got pictures with him because his name wasn't Vern, was it? Werner. No, that was he my was bus driver. Name when I was over there. <laughs> this guy was a total creeper, but you know he was he was nice, um, a nice creeper. So uh, one chaperone, twelve kids, no drinking age. We partied hard, and we went through seven different countries. And oh I my god! I, I fell in love with traveling. And then and, you then you asked your wife to marry you by taking her to the Bahamas. Right, because she had never left the U.S. So to ask her to marry me, I took her to the Bahamas, and I asked her. And she said, yes, thank God. And then uh, for our honeymoon, we went to Paris. And it was the second time I had been. And it was the first time she had always wanted to go. So we went there. And that's what got the travel bug uh, for her. So then she's working in Gwinnett. We're living, we moved back from Cali uh, to Atlanta because we wanted to start a family. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to buy a house. Huge um, mistake. Huge mistake. <laughs> well, <laughs> Your kids will hear this. You know that, right? Yeah. We could not afford to buy a house in San Diego. We tried. They're like, one bedroom, $1 million. I'm like, okay. Go yeah, out, nobody go can out. afford real yeah, estate in San Diego. Wow. Right. So we moved to Atlanta. We live out and we, we bought a house out in Barrow County outside the perimeter. Um, acre of land, split level house. It's a nice house, you know, big house. Um, and now we're just renting it out because we don't ever want to live in it again. But right. we're praying that we could sell it one day. Um, but so we moved back there. Marissa's uh, working in Gwinnett County, and one of her coworkers is like, screw this. I'm out of America. I'm leaving. I used to teach internationally. I'm going to do it again. And she's going to take her family this time. And we were like, you can, you can teach internationally? This is a thing people do? Right. And she, told her, she gave us all the information and said, here's how you do it. Here's the website you sign up for. Here's how you do it. And we did it. And the sad part of that story is that her and her husband and their kids wanted nothing more than to get, get China. They wanted to go to China so bad. And oh, they're no. the ones that taught us how to do everything. Oh, no. And we ended up getting China, and they ended up going to Turkmenistan. Oh, no, 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 no. The stands are not good. Yeah, you don't want to be there. Any of the stands. You don't you want to go to stands? Now, <laughs> now, on the flip side of that, because they were in Turkmenistan and just sounds there was nothing awful. to do really. That's where Borat. They is. saved like eighteen thousand dollars in one year just because there was nothing to do. So they just like banked eighteen thousand dollars while we were like traveling all over Asia. I was gonna going, say you're in Shanghai partying like rock stars. Yeah, and they're just sitting up, you know, in Turkmenistan, like, oh, this is boring, but they're banking tons of cash. Wow. Okay, hold it. I got to step in. So you're teaching. In Shanghai, what are you teaching English? No, his wife. My wife is. Um, yeah, my wife is. She has her bachelor's in uh, learning support, special ed, and then she has her master's in tech, uh, integrating technology into the classroom. Okay. So she's you know 
pretty sought after in, in the role of learning support and special needs teaching. Right. So it's pretty easy for her to get a job. Um, and as I said yesterday, the only thing that holds her back from like getting the really, really good jobs is that she has three dependents, two kids and me. Yeah. So meanwhile, so, what are you doing in Shanghai, Mike? He's living the life. He's a stay-at-home dad and then a punk rocker on the side. Tell him, Mike. Yeah, so in Shanghai, you know, I, um, I stayed home dad. I, I worked at State Farm uh, at, for, as a claims processor for six years before we moved to China. And I got, you know, three associates in insurance. And uh, But it just, you know, it doesn't matter in China. They don't care. Right. They want Nobody it. has insurance there, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, they, well, they have insurance, but, like, there's completely different laws and stuff. So, like, all the stuff I know is, like, bunk. They don't care. Right. So, um I was on my wife's visa, and I was not allowed to work. So it was against Bummer. the law for me to work. Man. But, I need to figure that you know, out. I, You're a smart yeah. man, Mike. But I, I still did work you know, on the side. Mm-hmm. I taught a kindergarten for a year uh, at an after-school kindergarten to these Chinese kids. I taught them how to you know, speak English. I tutored on the side. I, I did substitute teaching at my wife's school. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they paid into her account. Which was totally illegal, but was it um, was it expats <laughs> that you now was it expats that were there or, yeah. or were you teaching Chinese kids? Yeah, the the school that my wife works for uh, in China and then in here too. It's uh, two different schools, but they're both international schools, and their function is for expats. They're, it's like to give international education to kids from other countries, so they don't have to go to local schools. Okay. So the, the teachers are from all over: South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, England. You, you know, name it. There's teachers from you know. Right um, so that leads us to, you know, uh, we're in Shanghai. And when I was younger uh, in the punk scene, there was a, somebody started a, a zine and uh, they asked for some short stories. So I decided to contribute a short story to this zine. What is Let that? me interrupt you for a second. For all you kids that are yeah. listening that don't know what a zine is, before there was the Internet and blogs. There were zines. These were made on a Xerox copier. They were made on a copier. You actually printed them out and gave them. Stapled them together. It was all black and white. What was it? Hand drawn. It was like a blog. It was like the the local, basically. Yeah. Except it was done on copy paper. You Xerox off. It's just short for magazine. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. It's like a homemade magazine. It's an independent magazine. And and so, you know, I contributed a short story to it. And uh, one of my best friends in the world, his dad made fun of it pretty hardcore and <laughs> and it was it was basically because it was so violent but just the way he kind of made fun of it like really put me off writing and i was like all right well i'm not gonna do that shit anymore because i was already a fat kid dealing with low self-esteem and so then that just kind of wrecked me for that i was like you know what <laughs> i don't need any more of this, this yeah. oh my god can i tell you a personal story of the exact same thing kind of sure. but not writing my parents sent me to theater camp one summer. Like, I'm the same thing. I'm a chubby kid. Like, and I go to theater camp. And one of this theater camp's great ideas back in the 80s was to have this model scout come to Castine, Maine, which is a small island in Maine. I don't think there's, like, whatever. There's anyway. 40 people there. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm at theater camp, and we're all sitting in a circle around this, like, what I think looks like, who is the prime minister of England? Mar- she, uh, what's her face? Margaret Thatcher. Thatcher. That's what this woman looked like. 
She was sitting. The Iron Lady. Yes, she was sitting at a chair in the middle of a circle, and all these little rosy-cheeked kids are sitting around her, and it's theater camp, and she is a model scout, and she basically sat there and had each kid stand up in front of her, and then she would tell them why if they would make be a model or if they wouldn't. That is. Terrifying. Yeah. Why would you do that to a kid? One by one in front of the whole group. So then, of course, it comes to like chubby little Charlene. So Charlene gets up in front of her and she looks at me. I will never forget this. So she looks right at me and she's like, the corners of your mouth, they go down, which gives you a natural frown. Absolutely not. Never be a model. Got a face for radio. Sit down, please. I mean, I was like, crushed. Well, at least she didn't say, sit down, fatty. (laughs) Absolutely not. Sit down, please. (laughs) It was horrible. Anyway, so I get it. Go ahead. Crush your spirit. You're not writing. Yeah, so I didn't write. I stopped, man. I stopped. And I didn't start again until I was living in Shanghai. And I'm talking, I was in high school when I wrote that story. Yeah, I was like 15 years ago. The, the yeah, storm years ago. in Shanghai? No, he didn't start writing anything again. Until oh, 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 write, oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't write anything. And then I, I started writing uh, like blogs and stuff and people are like, hey, you know, your writing style is pretty funny. So I'm like, okay, cool. Um, well, <laughs> let me try to write something because um, my wife's best friend from high school uh, is also from Dothan and she's a New York Times bestselling author, Rachel Hawkins. Wow. Um, and so she's, you know, she's written the Hex Hall series, and now she's on to the Rebel Bell series. The Lady Renegade just came out, to, you know, about a, a Southern Bell who becomes a paladin to protect the world. Really cool book. Um, uh, so she, you know, she's from Dothan, living in Auburn right now, Auburn, Alabama. And she's, you know, going on book tours. She's represented by an agent. She uh, writes for Penguin uh, Publishing House. Wow. It's really cool. So. I was like, if, if she could do that, you know, maybe I could do that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to write a book. So I decided to write a book, and Storm in Shanghai is the idea that came to me. And it was the, the basis of it was my life in Shanghai. I was leading two lives. I was a stay-at-home dad taking care of my kids. I was in a country just surrounded by people who did not speak the same language as me, stared at me all the time. I felt very alone. And then at night. Which, by the way, time out because playing- you're six feet tall. Yeah, I'm six foot tall. I'm, when I moved there, I'm 360 pounds. Um, I've since dropped down to 240. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I'm still, hey, there is nothing weirder than being but, a six foot two white guy in an Asian country. I can speak from personal experience. <laughs> it is super yeah. awkward and weird. Yeah, and everybody wants to take your picture. I'm walking down the street. People stop me so they can take pictures with me. You know, <laughs> so it's a little bit like that a sideshow act, you know? Yeah. So Just that happens all the time. And no. <laughs> I'm a, they I'm would a... because he has a beard. If he didn't have the beard, they probably wouldn't say crap. Yeah, Actually, they... you know what they tell him? They would tell him he's beautiful all the time. Really? So you should move there. Actually, I get that here yeah. now. Like, I was at the bank today. I was like, yeah, I need to make a deposit. They're like, oh, is it your phone number into my phone? <laughs> it is not, but thank you. One time <laughs> I went to flattered. South China. I went to South China to do substitute teaching for a month. And the students there had never really encountered someone like me before and one of them told me i was very handsome and that i looked like lebron james what that is pretty that's the least accurate description of you i've ever heard But that was the only american that he could think of 
Was that the other? <laughs> yeah. Was that the same time that kid kept talking to you about Garfield? Like he, like his favorite thing was like, you eat lasagna like Garfield. No, that that is a kid I taught in Shanghai, and uh, I taught him for pretty much the whole time I was there. And his parents were super rich, some of the richest people in China, and um, like he just loves Garfield, and so he used to just sit there and be like. I'm so hungry. I could eat a whole lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Jerry, have you had? His, His English name was Jerry, by the way. <laughs> um, I was like, Jerry, have you ever had lasagna? And he's like, nope. But I'm so hungry, <laughs> I could I, eat one. Did you ever but, make it one? But I could do it. I know I could do it. So, But funny. I don't think he could because he didn't like cheese. Oh. So. Yeah, most Asians don't understand cheese. It's yeah. like, like cottage cheese. <laughs> yeah. It's like they don't get it. They don't because they don't do cheese. Yeah, that makes sense. No. All right, back to the book. Back to the book. Okay, so you're in okay, Shanghai. So, right. So the, the inspiration was my life being a stay-at-home dad during the day, in a you know kind of very isolated state. Yeah. No I'm um, not having people to talk to most of the time. I eventually learned Chinese and, and things got better. But um, hang on a second. That's okay. God. The part that we're missing, because there's a two-year-old in the room, too, is that he was doing punk music there. There's a huge punk scene. Yeah, he was playing in a band. He and was like playing in a band. Touring and stuff with his band. All over. So he was a stay-at-home dad during the day, and then he would go off and tour and do... Yeah, yeah and he was like... Thrashing it up. Yeah, he'll tell you about it, but he was like on TV in China. Like They'd say, go to a small town, and it was like a million people. Yeah. It was, Just... it was crazy. We'll, we'll okay, get, so, we'll so I was catching I was catching Tim up about the, the punk the, band, the punk band XXYY part. or whatever it was. Okay, we got we will yeah, we will transition back to the punk scene, but I want to hear about books right right now. Continue. Well, th- well that that plays into it. That plays into it because you know it, the basis of the book was about my life being a stay at home dad, um, surrounded by you know kind of isolation, and then at night going out into this completely different world that had nothing to do with my stay-at-home dad status. It was like, you know, I was playing in punk bands, uh, in a punk band, in, in punk clubs, and we're touring China. We're going to these little villages. And like I said, you know, yesterday, it, we call they call it a village, and but there's a million people that live there. And, <laughs> you know, we were featured... We were featured in magazines. We ended up on National Chinese News, the first foreign band to be featured on National Chinese News to 1.5 billion people. That's fantastic. Um, you know, they came to the studio and like uh, videotaped us practicing for our CD release. We released two albums while we were there. Um, Did they treat one- you like demigods, honestly? Because it was <laughs> no. so big. I mean, was no, it just over they, the top? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're a very fun band live, you know, like we had a lot of fun. And because two of us in the band spoke Chinese, we would also like, you know, speak to the Chinese audience members and we would engage the crowd a lot. So you were all um, white guys in a punk band playing in China. You're breaking up a little bit. What'd you say? I said you were all white guys playing a punk band in China. Yeah, drummers from South Carolina. Um, I'm from, you know, Alabama. And then the guitar player is from Scotland. Ah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> See, that is a recipe for like. Well, no, I mean, and it, greatness. I, I mean, you know, b- besides cool music, it's you're also kind of. I mean, a lot of those people have never seen a white guy before. Yeah, yeah, and but they the, love American music, we, right? They love the music. I mean, it's it's really something to come see. It's a show. Mm-hmm. I mean, they want to see it. Yeah, it was cool, and and you know, when we go out into the 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 territories and the rural areas, those are the guys who are like, oh my god, white people. That's so um, cool, but. 
but you know, in Shanghai, it was you know we're a dime a dozen. There's a hundred foreigner bands every minute forming in Shanghai because there's 24 million people in Shanghai. Of course, 24 million people, but only a hundred thousand of those are um, expats, and of those hundred thousand, most of them are like Korean and Japanese. Um, so there's there's not that many white people a bunch hanging of round out eyes. in China. Shanghai, but yeah, there's actually a band called Round Eye in Shanghai. It's all foreigner band. That's a great name for a band. (laughs) They're super cool dudes. Um, But so, So yeah, there's like. So there's the book. So you're like stay at home dad during the day and then a a crazy rock star on the side. Right. And so I, I have this idea to write a book about an American expat living in China who has like a double life. And then because I'm a total nerd and Dungeons and Dragons fan and been reading Forgotten Realms and, you know, the Icewind Dale trilogy, stuff like that. Right on. I said, I've got to I've got to make it magic. I've got to have magic be involved. So it's kind of like a um, a, a Harry Potter ish feel because it's like real world urban fantasy. There's magic and it's hidden from the regular people of the world. But there's two factions. There's mages and wizards and they have very different styles of of using magic um and they have a very uh tumultuous past let's just say that um based on some stuff that happened that i can't give away because then it would spoil the book can i um, can i interrupt you for one second so yes. we did this whole interview last night correct yeah and then now we're redoing it yeah. and when we were done with the interview and we said our goodbyes we got off the phone and then justin and i sat here and had a beer and then we were almost about to leave and justin says to me i don't I have no idea what a mage is. <laughs> like, I, I know it's probably something magic because the M-A-G right there, like, out of the gate seems... Bro, come on. Wait, Seriously, you got wait, no geek cred at all. You I, lost 100 per- You have zero geek cred. I don't know Dude, what it he, is either. Now, Mike knows me well enough to know that, like, dragon books aren't necessarily my scene. Or saying. books in general, well, like... Tim, any, let me, any, Mike, any let me tell you that, that Tim, Tim that's sitting here is your people. This is why I brought him in here. Yeah. In high school, he got a dragon tattooed on his shoulder. It now looks like a green mole, but whatever. It was a dragon. Geico lizard. So Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> is in the room now, so you do have your people here to represent you. We're good, bro. Well, well thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> but let me, let me, allow me to drop some knowledge on uh, Justin. Um, okay, so uh, a, a mage is just a magic user, right? And Sure. Throughout all of fantasy, and, and if you go back and, and read, everybody writes stuff differently, right? If you if you look at like wizards in one genre, or not genre, but like one author might write wizards in a certain way, and yeah. then someone else writes it a different way. Like J.K. Rowling's wizards, they have a wand, mm-hmm. and they just have spells, and, and the magic is within them. But in other authors, a, ma- a wizard is like Gandalf. Yeah. You know, he's like this old, dude, old dude with a staff. Yeah. You know, and it's not wands and, you know, and, and the, the spells aren't like Expelliarmus and rips. it's like more like everything grows dark and he can talk to eagles. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it, magic is different depending on who writes it. Yeah. Now, you'd have to read the book to really find out the different ways ma- mages and wizards um, cast spells. But I can I can say this much in my the world that I've created in Storm in Shanghai, mages um, they're born with it. Like it just is part of them. It, it manifests itself when they okay. are, you know, going through puberty. That makes sense. Kind of in the same way. Like X Men. And so, like they and they have power over elemental magic. Okay. And some of them will be able to cast one type or maybe two types, 
It's very rare to have three types, and no one has ever had four types. Fair enough. And then wizards have to read from a book. They have a spell tome, and every time they read the tome, um, they memorize the spells. Once they use the spell, it's no longer inside their head. They have to study it from the tome again to relearn it. Oh, okay. So it's much more, te- it's much more tedious. There's so that's an expiration the date on wizards' world. power. <laughs> right, right. They once they use it, they got to learn it again. Yeah. And so that's, that's why not in cool. my book. What? Yeah, yeah. see, I was picturing Wait like a minute. I was picturing a dude running around with a wand, and the other dude, the wizards, running around with like pointy hats with stars on them. So wait, this is your book yeah. in Storm in Shanghai? They have to relearn it. Yes. Oh, that's well, difficult. Wizard, that's like the, a power curve. The wizards have to. Yeah, the wizards, um, but the mages but, just use the different elements, like earth, wind, fire. Right. Um, so they have there's um, there's rock magic, there's water magic, there's uh, storm magic, mm-hmm. and there's fire magic, and they <clears throat> they can use that. Whereas the wizards, their magic is much different. It's not elemental at all. It's just like whatever spells goes. from this book. But they can't remember them. And, they don't retain it. Right. Once they use them, they have to study them again. And that's why in the book there there's two nicknames. So the the mages call the wizards, they call them crammers because they always have to cram. They have no, to study. They have to, ah. you know, good. Have to, yeah. And then the casters are what the mages are called because they can just cast at will as much as they want. They can cast magic. Boom, 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 boom. So they have a very tumultuous past. There was a war a long time ago. Um, and you have to read the book to find out why and where their magic comes from and all that stuff. It's all part of the, the world. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty important that you not know what going in, I think. Fair enough. <clears throat> That's awesome. So it's Storm in Shanghai. Like, how do people get a hold of the book? Like, if they want to, if they want to read it, and you, well, you can buy book. it on Amazon.com, like I did. Yes, you can buy it on Amazon.com. You can also buy it on BarnesandNoble.com. You can go to my website, which is EatPlayWriteTravel.com, and it has links to all the places you can buy it. It also has links to all the articles I've written for the online magazine Thursday Review, which is mostly about China. Which I'll pretty soon be compiling all of those into a kind of travel books slash memoirs of my time in China because um, they're pretty funny. Yeah. Um, like the first one is about public pooping. <laughs> yeah, they don't have walls and you got to like squat what? down to the floor. Wait, well, okay, well, you did say this last I night. I do want to ch- touch on that. You said that living in China for most people that go over there to work is they just bail because it's very difficult. And not most people, but a lot of people do bail. They just can't hang. They can't, it's very difficult. And there's a lot of reasons why it is. Cultural reasons, health reasons, because of the smog. Like, the pollution's really bad. Um, the water is so chlorinated because the pipes are really old, so they have to just pump chlorine into the water. And then once it gets to the source at your compound, they pump more chlorine into it. Ooh. So by the time you're washing your hair, your hair gets really brittle. Your skin gets really dried out. It's like... You got to eat coconut oil with every meal. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why it's hard to live in China. But they compensate you very well. And it's a really cool lifestyle. So it's, you know, there's ups and downs. There's, you know, excuse me. So um, uh, what the hell were we talking about? We were talking about public pooping. That was one of your chapters in what's going to be your new book. Right, right. So uh, if you go to the um, go to my website and look at the links, the very first article is the first article I wrote for Thursday Review, and it was about culture shock when you first move to China, and some of the things that you'll encounter. Number one, being gawked at, having pictures taken of you constantly while you're trying to eat. Sorry, like just I would love that. <clears throat> I'm just saying. I'd look you at know, a flip book of like just random dudes trying to eat. 
and like yeah. just being perturbed. Like I did a couple years ago, I did. I followed his brother around Win Dixie and just took pictures of him shopping. And you can find him on my Facebook. And like it's, it's really funny. It's the fun one of the funniest things I've ever done. I like I would go find out when he was going shopping and meet him there with a camera and be like, Jay's picking out some raviolis, and just like it wasn't. Like it wasn't like blatant. Just I wasn't just making fun of him. I was documenting it, and I knew that just by me doing it, it would annoy him. Right. And so it just fueled the fire. <laughs> and so I would absolutely just dig into a lookbook of random dudes being aggravated by other people with cameras in their face. Right. Eventually, I started taking pictures of the people taking pictures of us. So I have tons of pictures of people looking at me smiling with a camera in their hand. That is awesome. So, the, all right, I have a question. We haven't gotten right. to public pooping. We're so close. Okay, I need public to know pooping. about public okay, pooping. Public pooping. All right, all right. And then Tim can ask us. Are they taking I'll... pictures in the pooper room? Or how does that work? I'll, no, here's, here's, okay. First of all, when I say public, I mean like not in a bathroom. What? Oh, that's fun. I mean. No, pooping. I mean. I leaned up against a tree. Pooping on the street. Right, tell them, Mike. Drop yeah. it, baby. It happens all the time. It's not grown-ups. What it is. It's kids. Uh, I mean, there are probably some grown-ups doing it, and there's actually videos you can watch online. It, but in Shanghai, not so much, but in some of the smaller cities, you'll find people just like pooping in, on the subway. They just got to go, and they just drop trout. Or in an elevator. What no, no, in no, the no, world? Yeah, it's crazy. For real. No, 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 yeah. no. No, kids, real, in, kids in Asia will just... He said people, not children. Like, were people doing it, like, all ages? Was it, was it mostly kids, or was it adults? Okay, so in Shanghai, it's kids, right? Um, but in Seoul, it's kids as well. Chinese babies have the, this thing they call split pants. They don't wear diapers. So what? from the time they're born, they just have pants that are split from the crotch to the ass. And so the parents just watch them for signs, learn their signs, and when it's time for them to go to the bathroom, they hold them over something and let them go to the bathroom. Um, and they get potty trained much earlier than Western children because of this, because right. the kids learn yeah. their own signs. And, and so they get potty trained like really early. But in that time where they're not, it's a disaster. Say, according to my article that I wrote that you can go read, we're in the Summer Palace, which is this beautiful park. And it is, we're in this Guinness World Records longest painted corridor in the world. And we're sitting there having lunch. And this couple, uh, Chinese couple is sitting across from us having lunch. We've got our three-year-old and they've got their baby and we're kind of smiling at each other. And then the woman just dumps her noodles out of her cup, sets the cup on the ground, grabs the baby, spreads his legs, and he just takes a dump right in front of me, a foot from Shut. my face. Right in, the, in the restaurant cup? Nah, dude, you're taking that in home. That belongs cup. to you. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. You ain't turning that back well, in my no, dishwasher. It's a, disposable, it's a disposable paper cup, you know, like a microwave noodles, like yeah, yeah, cup yeah. of noodles. No, no, sure. that's but very... in a restaurant. No, that's very common. You'll be walking down no, the street. No, this was outside. This was just hanging out right outside a little convenience store. Right. You'll be walking you down know, the street um, in Seoul. Mama's got her two-year-old. They're walking down on the street. She can, And she'll just lead them over to the, kind of, the, the curb Little dude squats down, takes a dump. Mother Nature will flush okay. it eventually. Okay. Now, For real. It happens all the time. Okay. I get, okay. Madness. Okay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> okay. This, Wait a this minute. This is why I say dumb people can't, can't hang. hang in China. Exactly. <laughs> because you've got, you've got grandmas blowing snot rockets on your shoes as they walk past. <sighs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everywhere you going on. There's like people on, on buses just hacking loogies into a bag. Like I've seen what? that. I don't know. Hey. No, just on the on the ground. And on the ground. You know the thing Everywhere that always. Everywhere you step, 
Yeah. Okay, but wait. Everybody in has the, the worst States, sinuses. Like, there. if your dog poops on the sidewalk, you better have one of those little blue bags. That ain't the like, United States, baby. I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do they have like little baby bags? Like, do no. they just like reach hey, down and put? Americans it in don't think they're animals for the most part. Like, one of the things that I always got, Mike, was I could get over a lot of the stuff, but the sense of personal space, like you get on the subway or on the train, and oh, there's none. There's none. I mean, people up I mean, in your, like, ru- all up on you. Justin, nah, you dude. would die. Dude, yeah, I would burn stranger. a bus to, <laughs> just to the ground. On your shoulder. Right. I mean, and that's just, nor- that's just normal stuff. And it, I got over it, yeah. but it, it, it's kind of one of those things that are hard to get your I don't know that I could hand. live in Shanghai. I'd Bruce book. Banner my way right out of that tin <laughs> can. I would lose my absolute mind. Oh, my you know, God. In the book, I actually talk about that a little bit because I, I kind of – you know, talk a little bit about being an expat in China, but also being part of a secret, like, magical society that you can't tell people about. Like, the main character, his wife, isn't a mage. So he has to lie to her that he, she doesn't know. She's not privy to his. She's not privy. Right. So she just thinks he's a stay-at-home dad, and he just hangs out at the house all day when he's really out, like, stopping people from doing, you know, magic. Yeah. He's fighting crime. Uh, okay, hang on. I got to get the kids some water. Come on. So, um, Waterboard and yeah, kids. there's this one scene in the book where he goes and gets on the subway because he he kind of wants to get lost in the crowd. He's like, I I need to have people beside me, like the you know, like I feel alone, kind of. Right. And so he he'll go get on the subway sometimes and just ride, just even to though feel he's like close to, to crowds. That's yeah, he doesn't like crowds. He's, uh, you know, because of something that happens in the first chapter of the book, basically. He doesn't like crowds, but in, in some instances, he'll go get on the crowded train just to feel like there's people by him, you know? Wow. It's a very different... All right. Now, I've got a question about publishing yourself. Okay. You know, there's... I mean, there's a lot of indie books out there now. I read a ton of them. You know, there's Tor and there's all these other places where they aren't the big pu- publishing houses. How do you do it yourself? How do you get it on Amazon, on Barnes and no- Noble when it's self-published like that? I don't understand. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of avenues to do that now, and self-publishing is a completely different beast than it used to be. It is such a easy thing to do. Um, there's a company run by Amazon called CreateSpace. And that's one of the companies I use. And there's another one called Ingram Spark. CreateSpace is completely free. Free. You can go on there, upload your files. They have a cover creator. Um, they, they have all these services you can buy. Like you can have them edit your book for you. You can have a professional cover designed. But if you don't want to do that, you can do it all yourself, completely DIY, and they will publish your book. And it's print to order. So you can have ebook and the books. It's not like in the old days where you had to order like 10,000 books. Right, it's, um, they, and then have them pulped because nobody ever bought them. Right, so they print they, it's, as if somebody ordered. orders one on Amazon, they print it and they send it to them. That's cool. Does yeah. that cut into? So I would imagine that cuts into like typical margins for for a regular book. It does like, because like you can you know if you're running if you're doing a big run it's it's obviously going to be cheaper. Yeah. But um, you know I still I get uh, you know the, the the profits are you know pretty decent on there. Nothing wrong with that. No, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I mean, just, it's not. I didn't realize that that, you know, how, how are you ever, I mean, how are you getting the word out? How are you, how are you 
Well, it's that's the other thing. Like when you're a self-published author, you're everything. Like you don't have a, a publishing house. You you you've got to do it all. I did all my formatting. I, I I paid. I did edit the book like about four or five times. Rewrote it. Um, you know, it, it changed shape over the course of a year a lot. Um, and then I got a professional editor uh, to go in and do copy edits and, and make suggestions based on the story about like this and that. And then also grammar fixed it all up. Uh, and even still, like there's still I'm reading the book and I'll find errors. And I'm like, dang it. But there's no way because it costs like, you know, four or five hundred bucks every time you get someone to copy edit it. If you're just getting grammar, it'll be a little bit less. But um it, it costs a lot of money to do that stuff. So you basically, you get one shot if you don't want to, you know, spend too much money. So, um, <clears throat> uh, then th for creating the cover, you can do your own and they have that on there, but it's, it kind of looks a little bit Bobo, a little bit generic. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I have a friend, just a bunch of clip art designer and he's like incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I let uh, my, my best friend in the world, Chris Granger, he's got his own design company called Southern Fried Creations. And he did the book cover for me. And it's incredible. It's really good. And no, it's, it's a, a photo that cover. I took in Shanghai. Yeah. And I that the, the photo is from one of the um, locations in the book, this place called You Garden. And um, see, we have kids on this end, we too. Went, my we daughter's calling from school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm listening. We uh, we went with the color green for the cover just because the the it, it plays a major role in the book. The color green, so uh -huh. uh, you know, again, you have to read it to figure out why. About that money. But as far as marketing goes, like as a self published author, you have to do it all yourself. It's all DIY. And so, Twitter. I've been trying to build an empire on Twitter. I've got about five thousand followers now on Facebook. Um, I just started my website or my Facebook page, my author page, like a couple weeks ago. Which is J. I've got M. Close Bush. to three hundred likes on there. I'm trying, yeah, J. M. Bush author on um, Facebook, and my Twitter is M underscore two underscore the underscore Bush. <laughs> um, <laughs> you gotta keep it. You gotta represent for the home but, team, man. You gotta keep a hood every now and again. That's right. So if you gotta, um, if you want, all that is on my on my uh, front page of my website, which is eatplaywrighttravel.com, and it's got links to all my social media. Um, so you know, I had I've got a press kit on the website as well that I send out to magazines and newspapers. Right. Uh, Dothan Eagle ran a uh, Dothan Eagle ran a piece about us. Um, there's another local rag called the local who's hopefully going to run one this month. Yeah. Has my intern <laughs> not called you? Because I yelled at him last month. He's like, dude. I completely like he was he went to like Chicago for spring break or whatever and I called him. I think we could yeah, write an article. I, I mean we've interviewed Mike twice now. Yeah, and I've I known mean, him honestly, for twenty years. <laughs> what are we writing an article about? This dude right here on the on the phone. Yeah, he's talking about how he was he's gonna be in the Dothan Eagle and then hopefully he'll be in the local. Oh, right on. I know a guy. Yeah, the Dothan Eagle article it was just a small piece about, you know, a local author living in Malaysia who wrote a book about China. And it was a cool article, just real small piece, but well, you know, you stuff wrote, like that, uh, you know, helps get word out. You wrote something for Dothan Magazine, what, a year or two ago? Yeah, a few years ago, they, they had me write an article about living in China. Mm -hmm. um, but then they got bought out by VIP, and so now they just take pictures of people at events. Yeah, it's so. super yeah, weird now. Like, I know. It's like a high school it's, Never mind. It's hard for me to talk about it because obviously there's like a little bit I of I used to competition. love Dothan Magazine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I contacted one of the dudes there and I was like, here's what's going on. Here's my press kit. And he's like, well, if you pay us $2,500, I'm like, bye. Woo. What? What? That is, see. 
Yeah. And okay. all that he's money like, goes okay. straight Be- to Tennessee. Because I don't care. I'll say it. It's you know it's the yearbook for the pretty people in Dothan. Sure. Yeah. That's what it's much. become. It's, Sorry. It's a popular kids' table. I'm also in it twice this month, so thanks. Yeah. For Call of Duty. Yeah, Friday. boy. <laughs> so so fine. Okay. So fine. Okay. okay. No, no, okay, hold on. Hold on. I got more book publishing oh questions. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so. Okay, note to self. We're not oh. inviting Tim anymore. Okay, so. No, he's you, good. He just can't. So you self-publish. You get it out uh, out there. What are your sales like? How's it? I mean, how how's it working? Well, um, so far, it's okay. The first month, uh, I it was supposed to come out on uh, April 1st, but I released it like two weeks early. Uh-huh. And um, there was a few days where the subscribers to my website had you know access to it first, and then uh, everybody else got access to it, and then the uh, ebook came out on the 1st. And so far, the sales are actually better than I thought they'd be for the first month. This month, it's like it's really textbook everything i've read about it it says all your friends and family who are going to buy your book buy your book in like the first two weeks to the first month and then the second month ain't going to be nothing happening right and so then that's when you start to really feel the burn and you have to like um market the hell out of your book but also last night last night you were saying too that um the guy that you talked to that's super successful uh with publishing his own books Yes. The, oh, Hugh Howe, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, he, he says, don't market your book. He says, write your next book. That's how you market your books. You just write the next book, and you just keep writing and keep writing and keep writing, and don't worry about paying money to market your books because what you're doing now is building a backlist, and eventually people are going to catch on. They're going to read your books, and they're going to go back and get those, and so the books will stay new until they get discovered. Yeah. Did you know him? No, I just met him well, on Twitter and talked to him a bit. And um, he, Wool is a great cool book. Yeah, Wool. Yeah, that's a, that's being made into a movie. I know. I was like, I, that's so cool. This dude is just a self-published author. I mean, it's kind of like you know, Fifty Shades Gray or whatever. That was a yep. lady. Wait, selling Wool books is out of like Fifty Shades of Gray because then I'll read it. No, Wool is nothing like Fifty, no. 50 no, no, no. Shades it, of Gross. <laughs> No, I mean, that whole series is great. Have you read them all? No, I have not. I've read Wool. It's really good. It's really good. All right. We're going to take a two-year-old break. What is Wool about? Wool is a post-apocalyptic. No, go ahead. You're fine. Wool is a post-apocalyptic, and it's, um, we, don't, we don't know what, what the disaster was, but people are, uh, people are living in like... Um, underground silos right and it's sort of, it's the politics and it, it's really good i mean it's super in, in, in depth and they're you you can't get nobody goes outside ever they're in they're in a wasteland and it's it's a very very well written book um it's almost it's almost written like a screenplay i mean it was made to be a movie oh really yes cool um, All right, I'm back. We just touched on Wolf for a bit. So, uh, what is it like now, Dothan guy living in Malaysia? Well, <clears throat> after we decided that, you know, we had a baby in Shanghai and the pollution was just so bad. Does he have split pants? Jonas wears split pants or does he wear yeah. diapers? Yes, he does have a pair of split pants. We bought them as a joke and. 
we put them in them and let him run around a um a park one day and we had some you know pictures of it and marissa said we can't put those because his you know dong was hanging out so. <laughs> got one of those bush dongs to drag the ground <laughs> Can I like, that on the you know, and that's the thing. Like, you see baby butts and baby dongs all the time in China because you know the split the split pants don't hide nothing, and you're just like, oh, come on now, cover up your baby's wiener. Yeah, <laughs> that's so weird. But that is so weird. I can't go there. Like, I'm like, dude, nah, nah, <laughs> nah. Baby worm. It is a strange nah. place. But so okay, so you know, we we decided to leave China because it was you know. My wife was done. She's like, I, and I don't want the kids to, you know, get cancer from all this pollution. Everybody's hair's falling so we, out. So uh, started sending out her resume to a bunch of schools. And um, two of the ones that offered her jobs, one was in South Korea on Jeju Island. And then the other one was here on Penang Island in Malaysia. And we just decided we would rather go for fun in the sun than, you know, be cold again for another few years. Absolutely. And so... Yeah, so that's what, coming here, we knew that the pace of life was going to just almost stop because it's island time and everything is just really lazy and laid Later, back. man. It's been really nice. Yeah, it's been really nice in some ways because it's like a lot less stressful than, you know, getting around in China where you're just like, okay, right now we can't take a taxi. We have to take the metro, but, you know, we got to walk down and we got to fight our way onto the metro and hold on to the babies for dear life so they don't get trampled. You know, Oof. here I just bought a car as soon as I got here. Um, I bought an SUV and for eighteen hundred dollars US. Do you live in the dream? Wow! Stay home, dad, just yeah. buying so, cars for eighteen hundred like bucks. A it's a, Literally, it's a two thousand and one. So don't get me, don't get it twisted. It ain't brand new. Yeah, but um, got that brand but new. You're lack. living Tim's like dream life. You're sitting at home. Like writing watching, nerd books, writing nerd books, <laughs> and taking care of the babies and chilling while totally your down. wife is working. Like I can't tell you how badly Tim wants to live your life. I, I really do. <laughs> so it's, but, it's not bad. It's not bad. Now um, are you? But, you know, like after a while, you get kind of like I'm like I would like to play some punk rock music, please. And there's not that much of a scene here in Georgetown, which is uh, on the island, but it's about a 20 minute drive from here. It's like the historic downtown building, um, but it's a, it's an old colonial town, you know. Right. Um, and there's there's a there's a punk bar there, and uh, but it's just such a long drive, and especially if I'm going to go to you know like twenty minutes is too long. Driving is bad, yeah. yeah, it's a little yeah, a little lengthy. Mike, twenty minutes is too long you've now. You've embraced because, the uh, island life way too much. If twenty I minutes have, is too I, long, you're getting faded in Ozark. <laughs> like, no, nah, I'm just living. The, I'm going to spend the night at the candlelight in. <laughs> I can't. I can't make it to Dozen. It's too much. Yeah, I, I wish I could get away with yeah. that on Thanksgivings. Oh, I got to get to See, the south side China, of town. No. Like, in China, you go to the you go to the punk club, you know, and you go play, and then you just hop in a taxi or get the metro back home, and you don't have to worry about drinking and driving. But here, it's like Late at night, there's not that many taxis. You can use oh. Uber, but, you know, so then, it, I don't know, it's, it costs more money, too. So, and, and one of the reasons we moved here was also to have more family time. So, um, you know, I'm trying to avoid starting a band right now because yeah. that took me away from the family quite a good bit in China. Yeah. Um, so we're having a lot more family time here. Um, and now I've got the baby in daycare. I've got my days back, so I've got more writing time. Are you working on a new book? Yeah. Well, I've, you know, since writing um, 
Storm of Shanghai, I, I started that in March of 2015, and I finished it with like in a month and a half, but then I rewrote it over the next the course of the next year. But after I finished it initially, I wrote another book. So I've got three books written right now. Um, Storm of Shanghai is the first one to be published. The second one is a sci-fi love story set in Dothan in the future. Ooh, wait, now, what is the name of this book? <laughs> what? You broke up a little bit. You what got is, a name for it yet? What's the name of the sci-fi yes, actually, love story in future Dothan? Yeah, it's, uh, it's the town is called New Dothan. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's set in the... It's it's set in the not too distant future, but it's an indeterminate like amount of time in the future, and and, and it's set in a world where um, there's no borders anymore. It's the the there's one government, and it's the United States of Earth, and everything is run basically by this massive company that sells everything, and they're called Montec, and they sell technology, they sell furniture, they sell the gas. Everything you buy is basically made by them. And uh, they control the government too, but it's kind of like uh, you know behind the scenes. And, it seems uh, like real life foreshadowing. Fake. Everybody eats fake food, and and everybody is tech obsessed. And I've got a party noisemaker in the room now. Yeah, it's dude. Fine. Now it's turn good. it up. <laughs> All right, here, tell them. You want to do it? Say hi. You want to say hi? Uh, What's up, Jonas? Get out of here. Hello. Yeah, hit the bricks, dog. He don't, he don't want nothing to do with We're doing it. adult stuff so, right yeah, now. We're talking, this, talking business. <laughs> this, uh, yeah, this book is actually it's inspired by a song by the guy who was the lead singer, guitar player of Hodge and the Turbans. He's now uh, you know, a, a musician in, in Dothan. His name is Bobby, Bobby Hill, but I think he goes by Bobby, Bobby Lee. Lee. Yeah. Bobby Lee. Huh. Um, so he wrote a song called Between the Lantern. Um, in, his song was called In Between the Lantern. Um, and the lyrics in the song... He talks about this automaton made of wood and string, and I, it, it just, I don't know, it inspired me. And so I wrote this book about these two people who fall in love, and they build an automaton out of wood and string together. And, what is that? Is that, is that one of the things okay, from Star Wars? Now we're, I don't want to end the show again, and then we're sitting around going, what the hell is yeah, an automaton? Let's, let's get that's that thing that Luke cut open to sleep in when it was cold out, right? <laughs> no, that was a tauntaun, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Bro. So, what what is an automaton? It's a robot. It's just a robot. It's just a cool name for a robot. That's cool. <laughs> did you know that, Tim? Yeah, I know that. Of course you did. I did not know that. I read lots of... I, 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 I read a lot. What do I do? Do I watch television? You, you, no, you nerd out. You I like nerd out. Burning stuff in the yard and reading books. completely leave planet Earth. Uh, Mike, we have taken you away from your two-year-old long enough. Tell everybody how they can get a hold of your books, how they can get a hold of you, where they can find you, and uh, definitely we will come visit you in Malaysia very soon. Okay, well, you guys, I'll put you up. i got a spare bedroom. Um, <laughs> okay, Jonas, Jonas, can you tell everybody where to buy the book? You want to tell them? In the potty. In the potty. Yes, right. Yeah. In the potty. Rock on, Jonas. In the potty. Do you need to feel potty? Okay, well, you can get the book uh, on Amazon.com, and uh, pretty soon I'm going to be releasing the Between the Lanterns. But for the moment, just Storm in Shanghai, and you can get it on Amazon.com. You can go to my website, eatplaywrighttravel.com, 
And, uh, yeah, that's it, man. Thanks for having me on, you guys. You can yeah, also man. go to Goodreads and get reviews on it, and Goodreads links right to Amazon.com. That's how I found it. Fantastic. All yeah, right, it Mike. Is, it is on Goodreads as well. And please, if you buy the book, please, please, please leave a review because that is how indie authors sell books. Yes. As soon as I get done, I'm going to write you a smoking hot review. That is killer. You hear that? That is my son celebrating you. Yay! Yeah. We went pee in the potty! Yeah. Or the split pants. The split or pants. The split pants. <laughs> hey, it was really a pleasure talking to you. Alright. Well, thanks a lot, you guys. Yeah, bye. let me know when you're back stateside. Uh, I'll introduce you to everybody face-to-face. Okay, cool. My wife said she, um, she'd be happy to come on and talk to you guys about the difference in education uh, internationally and in the States. Oh, yeah, that'd be Ooh, awesome. I would love that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She's got a lot to say on the subject. I but can we'll imagine. do this interview while visiting you in Malaysia and no, eating your face Malaysian face. food. No, we need to do it. That would be an interview. I'd love to talk to her about yeah, it. Yeah, you're fired. You're out. We don't need you anymore. Your right, geek you credit is gone. Bye, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a shout. Uh, if you guys need any pickups, just uh, give me a call back. Yeah, dude. Sounds Appreciate good. it. Bye, Mike. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks. Right. Bye. See ya. All right, so that ends episode 13, 13. of 5. The Local. We just talked with Mike Bush. Otherwise, his author name is J.M. Bush. He wrote the book Storm, Storm in Shanghai. In Shanghai. And Between the Lantern will come up I love talking to him. So. I wish you guys could have heard the first interview, too, because we talked a lot about food, and uh, it was really great. But this interview was fantastic as well. Tim, thank you for joining us. Yeah, you added that third like that third dimension to make it rounded out. Yeah, like it was very, very like... Almost ping pongish. We'd ask a question and he'd answer it. We'd ask the next written question without acknowledging what his answer was, and be like, "So, what do you about? What's your writing process like?" And he'd be like, "Well, I just I've got my days free, and then, well, how's the food?" And like it's just like bonkers all over the See, place. Yeah, you you guys have no. You you need to bring me in for all your geek. Yeah, the dude, you're. Yeah, I mean you you yeah you're good. So the next time we have another guy that's written books about wizards and and ninjas. You're our guy. Oh, yeah. We got a ninja author? We can find one. I'll dig one up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that All is right. it for episode 13. Hit us up at Wiregrass Local on Instagram, uh, facebook.com slash localdothan, and uh, that is it. See y'all in a week. Bye.